The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer for Rotowire, James Anderson. You can find James on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. Uh, James, I, I lied to our loyal listeners last week. Said we'd have a an intro song, but still hasn't materialized. Uh, I, I, throw- I thought about that like an hour before the show, and I was going to ask you like if you wanted to search for one really quick, but um, no, we're not going to no. do that. Well, we do have a separate <laughs> RSS feed now, so that's at least a step in the right direction. Yeah. Give give us a, a subscription if if you would, and uh, you know like and, and review the podcast if you get a chance. But just just listen to your favorite song right before listening to the podcast, and that'll yeah. work. Throw it out there to the users too if you have. <laughs> have a song have any leads for us uh please let us know because we are searching uh gonna get to uh your your latest farm futures piece on the southern league uh but you also wrote about joe ross from the eastern league 
Uh, impressive in his last start, seven innings, just two hits allowed. Uh, let's see here, two walks, eight strikeouts. Uh, the stat line really speaks for itself, but what, what really jumped out to you with, uh, with his outing? Uh, so I, this one was kind of cherry-picked because this was his best start of the year. Uh, he's had a couple other outings that have been just kind of so-so, and this one was, was pretty dominant. But um, I've, I've been kind of a big fan of him for for a while now. I, I think that he was sort of, uh, you know, with Jesse Hahn and Matt Whistler – um, moving out of the the Padres organization this off season, I think I think people kind of were sleeping a little bit on the the departure of Joe Ross, who I think has as much potential as those other guys, and I you know maybe even even more even more potential. I mean, if Whistler and Joe Ross were both in the big leagues right now, I I might take Joe Ross over all three of those guys. So um, you know, definitely not someone you should be sleeping on. Definitely a a top 100 guy he's got a you know plus plus fastball with you know some heavy kind of late sink to it and he can kind of throw it in all quadrants um you know it's it's his best pitch and it sets up his secondary stuff he can use it as you know a bat messer uh in two strike counts he can use it to get ahead early in the count uh you know really really good pitch especially for for the double a level and you know he's got you know people people i think have questions about his his slider and his changeup. but from what i saw in that start he had them both working uh got got swinging k's on on both of those pitches um you know consistency obviously an issue with with both of those pitches but uh you know we at least know that he has them in his in his toolbox yeah, I'm pretty excited about this guy as well. I mean, uh, just five hits allowed in his last two outings. Uh, hasn't issued more than two walks in any start this year. Has, has struck out six or more in, in three of four outings. Uh, just 21 years old, a former first-round pick by the Padres, of course came over to Washington in that three-team deal involving, involving Steven Souza. Uh, Trey Turner also came along with him, uh, even though not official just yet. Officially a player to be named later, but he will be in that system as well. You know Ross. I mean, you you gotta like what what he brings to the table. Uh, but do you do you see him spending the entire year at Double A, or do you think it it won't be long before he moves up? I think he could move fairly fast. Uh, maybe not. I, I don't. I don't expect him to be up with the Nationals this year. But uh, I think he's probably on a on a track to to finish the year at Triple A and and be in the Nationals rotation at some point in twenty sixteen. I mean, it's well, it's well, well known that they have some some guys that are probably not coming back uh, following the season, so they're going to have an opening or two, and you know maybe that'll be AJ Cole, maybe Tanner Roark, but Ross to me, you know, I, I ranked AJ Cole ahead of Ross coming into the year based on their proximity, but you know if we go into to next year and they're both kind of knocking on the door for a rotation spot i might i might take ross over cole uh if they're if they're kind of at the the same point in their progression of the big big leagues ross has the body you're looking for uh 80 grade starters body yeah. you ask me no. 6 4 205 uh a three pitch arsenal I, I think he's gonna have quite a very, bit of success very athletic too very repeatable he's he's tyson ross's younger brother so you know they they, they do kind of have a, a similar look on the mound. I, I kind of even like uh, 
Joe's body a, a bit more. Um, <laughs> nice. So, I like that you're not afraid to admit that. No, yeah, it's, a, it's my kind of body um, for a pitcher. Nice, you know, long and, and yeah. lean, athletic, moves well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm out there looking for. Uh, yeah. It's it's been a nice start to the year. I mean, he's he's walked some guys, but I don't really care about that, uh, especially when you know. I mean, he's he's just kind of he's you, figuring out how to use his pitches. He's only walk. It's not a crazy amount of, of walks. It's not like Kyle Crick or or Alex Meyer or something like that. So it, it's definitely manageable, and, and he's got the K's to go along with it. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, just just a guy that I think is kind of probably under the radar in in a decent amount of uh, you know shallower dynasty leagues. If if you only own say seventy five or a hundred prospects in your your dynasty league, there's a chance that Ross might be available, and he probably shouldn't be. You know, you mentioned AJ Cole, uh, tough outing in his debut, uh, nine hits allowed. Uh, nine runs, only four earned, but only one walk, one strikeout over two innings against Atlanta of all teams. You know, they're pretty set right now, but do you see, you know, if if there were an injury to open up, do you think he'd be – he's still the next guy in line? Uh, well, you know, the whole Tanner Roark not being stretched out thing was uh, probably not ideal. I, I think that they should probably work on that uh, in in anticipation – of another another opening coming up I, I think when a guy like that struggles a guy like cold did in his first start it's it's best to have him go back down to triple a and just kind of you know look look at what he did wrong in that in that outing at the big league level work on you know fine-tuning those issues against against triple a pitching build back up his confidence a little bit and then you know he'll be ready down the down the line um mm. I mean, his numbers at Syracuse have been great, and his three starts there, right. uh, 15 innings, uh, just four earned runs. The strikeouts haven't been through the roof, just 10, but the, the uh, control has been outstanding, just one walk down there. So, uh, you know, I think if he gets back down there, regains his confidence, uh, he should get at least a couple spot starts the rest of the way. Yeah, not, you know, not a guy that probably needs to be owned in too many formats right now just because – of the depth they have in that rotation like you're you're really you're only looking for an injury you know mm-hmm. there's nobody that can really pitch their their way out of that rotation plus you have tanner roark sitting there uh, to compete with so not a guy that really needs to be owned in in many single season leagues maybe a, maybe a deep nl only or, or something like that but like like for instance he's not going to be i i would guarantee that he's not going to be added in our uh, 17 team stake league this uh this week you know because there's just there's no real need to have a guy like that uh that doesn't have he doesn't have like frontline upside so mm-hmm. uh, more of a mid-rotation guy yeah and that you know you, you mentioned that proximity had a lot to do with with your rankings and you did have cole uh more than 20 spots higher than ross but do you like ross more long term or is it pretty yeah easy? like if we just if we fast forward uh you know 12 months mm-hmm. i i like ross more than cole but, okay. Cool. You know, just for just for the time being, I'd I'd have Cole ahead of him. Just wanted to clarify that. And before we move on, wanted to just give an update on a, on a guy, big big time uh, name coming up through the Cubs system, Javier Baez, uh, back with the team after a leave of absence. Good to see him. Uh, you know, getting getting back on the field after you know a personal tragedy. 
now they are giving Addison Russell another look in in the second base role. Uh, hasn't been great so far, but I, I imagine they want to give him an extended opportunity. At the same time, do you think if if Baez heats up and, and gets his timing back, maybe shows some uh, improvement in in his approach that that he can get an opportunity in within the next couple months? I I don't really know what's going to happen with with that because they they also have Arismendi Alcan Alcantara who is going I mean Baez and, and Alcantara are both going to dominate at AAA and their numbers are going to be like well what maybe they should get called up um, but you know they they got they both got sent down for a reason and the Cubs don't really have a an opening for them I mean I I think you know the the only thing that makes sense to me would be moving Chris Bryant to the outfield and then moving either Baez or Alcantara or Russell or whoever over to third base and then and then having one of them at second base but that's just kind of a tough tough thing to kind of predict how mm-hmm. the, how that's going to go so I I don't know I think I think Baez is probably going to spend uh, a couple months at least at, at AAA. Well, we'll get into your uh, your latest Farm Futures article. If you want to read it to yourself, you can check it out at rotowire.com. If you don't have a subscription, you can get 10 days free on us. No strings attached by going to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash pod. Now, uh, some of the guys who are really trending upward, Kyle Schwarber, uh, of course, you know, first-round pick last year. Uh, I think he was number four overall. Yeah. Um, at AA Tennessee right now, really faring well. 370 average, 483 on base, 652 slug, three homers, uh, 11 walks to just 13 strikeouts and 46 at-bats. Uh, him and teammate Dan Vogelbach, Swaggy V, who we gave an update on last week, uh, both really mashing down there. <clears throat> now, Schwarber, uh, the position eligibility at second base, you know, they or, I'm oh, sorry, yeah. at catcher, yeah. Uh, they seem intent on keeping him there, and, uh, you know, given his, his upside at that position, of course, you know, big name to, to grab in dynasty leagues, but um, what are you seeing right now with him? And do you, do you think there's a chance he could be up this season? Yeah, actually, I actually do think he could be up this year just based on what they did with Addison Russell. I, that just sort of signifies to me that they're, they're moving fast. I mean, they're, they're willing to, to kind of make some moves with hopes of, of sticking in this thing until, you know, the trade deadline, then they kind of see where they are. Maybe if they got to go get a, an arm or two, they can go do that. But uh, Schwarber, I mean, th- their catchers have not fared well at the plate. So mm-hmm. the fact that he actually plays a position where they have a, a glaring need uh, offensively kind of gives him, you know, as much of a shot as a guy like Baez or Alcantara, I think, of of playing on a, on a regular basis for the club. So, you know, he's he's still at just double A, but uh, could be – you know, a couple months maybe. It just depends. You know, I don't know what – I haven't seen him. I don't know what he's looked like behind the plate. So maybe maybe there's some defensive stuff that's going to keep him in the minors. But offensively he looks ready for AAA, mm-hmm. if not the majors at this point. So uh, not a guy that you need to go out there and, and pick up, but a guy who I think we, we might see on the, the north side by the end of the season. Man, I, I would love to see that. I mean, I, I'm a Reds fan, but – to see that lineup with all these young kids in there, I mean, that would be amazing. And I love your your line here about him and Vogelbach. Uh, they both just look the part of cleanup hitters, beefy with big heads and big sticks. I, I love that. Uh, both guys, you know, showing those sticks right now. 
And, you know, while Schwarber does have a pretty clear path right now, Vogelbach really doesn't. Uh, you know, a lot of talk about his, his future could be with a different organization. But I thought it was interesting, you know, you threw out last week on the pod that, you know, maybe – Maybe uh, the DH in the National League isn't that far off. And after, you know, this very next day when Ray, uh, Adam Wainwright got hurt for the Cardinals, that more people really started talking about that. Uh, but for the right now, I mean, Vogelbach, really impressive. Do you see a move up to AAA coming for him uh, in the near future? Yeah, I think that they'll they'll move up together and Almora might go with them. You know, that's what they did uh, last year with um, – gosh, I think – so they did that with – I forget exactly who they they were moving people up in groups you know mm-hmm. when they would when they would promote guys to a level they would they would go together so i think you'll you'll probably see that happen again with with vogelbach and schwarber for sure nice and yeah you mentioned the the uh cubs catchers you know they're not getting a ton of production from the position miguel montero did have three hits yesterday raised his average to 261 333 on base three homers 10 rbi but you know at, at 31 and you know it, Given his offensive abilities, I think it's you know reasonable to expect Schwarber to be up this season. I'm with you right there. Uh, we'll, we'll stick in the Southern League. Uh, we'll jump to let's see here. Tim Anderson, uh, athletic, athletic kid uh, in the White Sox organization. He's at Double A Birmingham. Three nineteen, three thirty three, three seventy five slash line through seventy two at bats. Only three extra base hits, but only one walk uh, and only one walk. Seventeen strikeouts. Uh, but 11 for 11 on the base pass. Does the uh, walk decay worry you here? Uh, no, it's it's just the profile. I mean, you you know what you're getting with with Anderson. He's he's a guy that hasn't really kind of figured out how to take a walk yet, and that's fine. I mean, there's there's plenty of guys that have had issues with that that have had tools like his and and been able to to make it work. You know he's not gonna he's not gonna just never walk. He'll he'll kind of figure that out in time. Same with the power. The power hasn't shown up yet, but I do believe that he will have double digit homer potential down the road. It's just you know some of the, it it takes time. I mean he was a when he was drafted he was a high risk you know high reward type of guy that was was kind of a a lottery ticket where you didn't know how well he would do in, in pro ball, but he, he's really taken to it in terms of his, being able to make contact and being able to, to let that speed play, especially on the bases. He's 11 for 11 on, on stolen base attempts, leads the Southern League and steals by a, by a really wide margin right now. So just the fact like that, that's why I, I view him as a guy who's improved his stock, even though he's not hitting for any power and he's, and he's not walking. I didn't think that he had this kind of speed really or at least I didn't think it would show up this this early I mean he's on pace for for crazy steals totals so if you're looking at a guy that could hit 15 20 homers with 60 steals I mean that now mm-hmm. you're talking about a, a first round fantasy pick so um really really impressed by how active he's been on the bases so far yeah you threw out in your article just eight walks in 95 games going back to last year but that's interesting that you know you're looking more at the tools and you have seen improvement even though it's not uh, quite showing up yet. Uh, the 319 average is nice to see, even even with the low uh, K to walk. I, I'm I have some reservations about him, but uh, you know after seeing him in the fall league. But at the same time, the tools are there, and uh, you know like a guy like with a guy like Nick Williams, who's shown that he's starting to pull it together. Uh, you know has refined his approach. I think with Anderson, who's still very young, 
uh, that that could definitely come. Now, on the Twins organization, a couple guys, uh, big-name prospects, top 10 uh, really consensus prospects in all of baseball, Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano, off the slow starts. Buxton, just a 210 average, 279 on base. Does have a couple homers, 3 for 4 in stolen bases. Sano, 173, 317, 383. Now, with, with Buxton, I mean, he, he really is – I mean, in most prospect lists right up there with – or was right up there with Chris Bryant as, as one of the top prospects in the game. Sano also up there, but uh, Sano's va- name value a little bit lesser. Um, what kind of major league player, what caliber player do you think uh, you think could give up to land Sano in dynasty leagues right now? Uh, shoot, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. Um you just it's it kind of depends i think about what kind of dynasty league you're in because if you're in if you're in like a very competitive league where where everyone kind of knows their stuff i think you'd find it hard to to get the the owner of sano to sell while his value may be construed as low right now Mm -hmm. um you know maybe well like for for instance would like lucas duda be enough Mm, that's I feel like it would for more casual players but I agree that in our in our uh, staff league that you know the owner would probably be hesitant well, to do like, that like like I'll say this like if I had so say I'm where I'm at in the standings like I'm I'm in top 5 out of out of 17 in the standings and I maybe have just a, a real need at at corner infield maybe I've got a guy like like Logan Morrison or or someone like that as my my corner infielder, and I've got Sano, but like I I want to win this year. This is this is kind of the year that I I think I have the pieces to be competitive. I actually would consider that as a Sano owner just because there it's he's not a guy without risk. Like he's not uh, he's not Carlos Correa where mm-hmm. I'm just convinced he's going to be a star, and he's not. Uh, you know he's not he's not Chris Bryant he's not mm-hmm. Byron Buxton even he's got crazy raw power but he does have some other issues to contend with I mean he's a, he's a top ten prospect but not a not a slam dunk I mean not not everyone that's a top ten prospect right now is going to pan out so uh, a guy like Lucas Duda who's already kind of shown that he can be a middle of the order bat in a dynasty league that's that's not bad I mean if Sano turns out to be Lucas Duda that's that's not terrible so I I would do I would do that if you're in a win now situation obviously you hold Sano if if your window's not quite this year yeah I like that call I think that's right about the you know where you draw the line right right about there uh I like Duda well enough uh issues against lefties kind of concern me but he's playing he's he's actually uh he's actually hitting lefties all right this year uh, if I remember right so um yeah, maybe maybe starting to shed that label a little bit. Yeah, he's actually eight for twenty uh, with a homer against lefties. That is really nice to see. Um, you know, especially considering last year he went twenty for one eleven, one eighty average. Obviously, very small sample this yeah. year, and yeah, probably true. he's probably only in there against crappy lefties too. That's so true. you know, who who knows? But I mean, definitely definitely starting to get some more starts when there's a lefty on the mound. Another guy in the Southern League off to a pretty slow start. That's the Reds' Jesse Winker. He's at Double A Pensacola, uh, batting two thirty seven right now. Four extra base hits, nine walks, eleven Ks, through fifty nine at bats. And as you mentioned, I mean all of these sample sizes right. are relatively small, so you don't want to put too much but stock in them. You can still, I mean, 
they're small, so we're not like we're not sitting here telling you necessarily to to start panicking on on all these guys. I mean, there are some mm-hmm. guys who I'm I'm worried about who have been off to slow starts, but you can use these small sample sizes to to kind of strike and get yeah. a, get a good deal. That's true. But who uh, before I get more into Winker, who who are you worried about who's off to a slow start? Uh, so just just from the Southern League guys that I'm I'm kind of down on are. Albert Almora, DJ Peterson, Gabby Guerrero, and Daniel Robertson. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all struggling, which, you know, whatever. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean anything in and, in and of itself. But uh, with, with Peterson and Guerrero, you're looking at two guys who really kind of pumped up their numbers at, at high desert and kind of got, you know, a lot, of, a lot of prospect notoriety based on those numbers. And it's it's tough to kind of separate that from the the profile because you look at a guy like Peterson or Guerrero and you kind of want to believe I mean Peterson's got the pedigree Guerrero's got the bloodlines so if they're crushing it then you find it hard to just kind of write off that production based on where they're playing but the fact that they've both struggled so much uh at double a Jackson suggests that maybe that should have been weighted a, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I at least I don't I don't view Guerrero as a top 100 guy anymore, and I wouldn't have Peterson in my top 50. I don't know if I did before the season. He was probably right around there. I'd probably have him probably closer to 100 than to to 50 because the the thing with Peterson is he's going to be playing first base because of of Kyle Seager being there, and to be a first baseman that you value in fantasy, you have to just be raking really. I mm-hmm. mean, you can't, you can't be, you know, a, a guy that's, that's hitting to 60 with, you can't be yonder Alonzo. And that, that yeah. could be what Peterson ends up, ends up becoming. And, and in that case, then you really, you know, you can get those guys off of waivers in, in most formats or you can get them on draft day for, for a pretty cheap price. So uh, worried about, worried about those two guys, uh, what about what about Almora though? He, I mean, he's batting right around three hundred. Uh, only one more uh, strikeout than walk so far. Uh, what are you seeing though that makes you a bit hesitant? Yeah, I I don't like the fact that he's he's still not hitting for for power. Um, and I I just think I'm just kind of trying to play this out into the to the future and just sort of envision what his role is going to be. And I just don't see everyday center fielder for the Cubs who are going to be contenders year in year out for the next five years I just don't see him being used that way I could see him being used as maybe a defensive replacement or or something like that I could see him being traded I just I I think that you're probably looking at maybe Juan Lagares here Hmm. maybe uh, that that type of an offensive profile and Guys like you know, people will tell you that Juan Lagares has power, like you, that he shows it in batting practice. That you hear the same things about Albert Almora, but I'm just not I'm not sold that he's going to be able to get to it in games anytime soon, especially against big league pitching. So if you're if you're sitting there with a, you, or maybe maybe he's you know, Angel Pagan or, or something like that. I, I don't know. I, I I noted in the in the article that if i was in, if i owned elmore in dynasty league right now i would trade him straight up for billy mckinney if i could who's hmm. another outfielder in that system just because mckinney like 
Albert Amora's strongest tools are all on defense and McKinney's only tools are on offense. Like he's basically Dan Vogelbach, but he can play left field mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, less power than Vogelbach, obviously, but similar hit tool. Uh, he's got some speed. So, you know, Al Mora still kind of carries that sort of name recognition in, in a lot of leagues where people think of him as maybe a borderline top 50 guy. I don't see him like that at all uh, at this point. And this was kind of, uh, th- this was kind of trending this way for me even before the season started. Uh, just the more I kind of looked at Almora and the more I looked at that system and the the direction of that team, I just I just don't really buy into him as, as a guy that's necessarily going to play every day uh, anytime soon. You know, he's a guy that, you know, when we did the Roadwire Prospect Roundtable, I was the highest on. I had to defend, <laughs> defend him. I'm, I'm looking back at my defense for him right now. I mean – I get that you know the strikeout rate did jump with the move up last year, uh, but I, I still like his his approach for the most part. It's played pretty aggressive, and um, you know I see where you're coming from. I, I think you know I don't think I'd trade him straight up for McKinney, but I think that's interesting that that you would. You'd say you'd pull the trigger on it in a heartbeat, and I I respect that. I, I do still you know with the pedigree that Almora has, and um, you know the defensive ability. I think alone should allow him to to see everyday playing time in the future it's just a matter of uh, is it going to be with the Cubs or is it going to be elsewhere uh, now getting back to Jesse Winker he's off to a slow start and you know kind of you know not great here to see as, as a Reds fan but I thought it was interesting that you know even though he's been slightly better than a guy like Kyle Waldrop uh, to this point at least as for terms of, of average uh, batting average you, you suggested that it, it could be Waldrop who occupies you know a platoon role for the Reds in left field uh, before long why, why is that uh well i mean they i guess i i don't know i might have worded that poorly but he could like i think he'd mm-hmm. be a capable platoon option in left field if that was something that they they ever needed i mean winker obviously is the the left fielder of the future i, I think waldrop's eventual role will be to platoon in left field somewhere and be fairly good at it uh, especially kind of in the the power department um winker obviously the guy that you know everyone sort of talks about in terms of offense in that system and a guy that along with sano and maybe buxton and maybe uh maybe rio ruiz and brandon drury uh winker to me is another guy in the the southern league that could be a good buy low option at this point because he's not really setting the world on fire and you you got to plenty of other prospects that that are off to really hot starts and you know I think a lot of people expected quite a bit out of Winker to start the year but you know the bat is pretty low right now and I I still believe in in the bat enough to to where if you could get him uh without giving up like a top 50 prospect or something like that then, then I would probably pull the trigger on that you know he's He's had four extra base hits so far uh, through 59 at-bats. Uh, I know you mentioned you know you, you love his ability to hit. Do you think he's got a top 10 hit tool in the minor leagues right now? And do you think that that'll be able to carry over uh, as he moves up up the ladder to AAA into the majors? That one I'm not going to say with any certainty just because I I would feel bad without actually sitting down and, and ranking him. Mm-hmm. Uh He's he'd be in the conversation. Like if I was putting together a, a spreadsheet or a, just a short list, he would 
start off on it. I don't know if he would finish in the top 10, but he would be a name in consideration for, for one of those spots, yeah. Nice. So, yeah, I, I sold in the offseason um, mainly because I really wanted a starting pitcher. Uh, but I agree that, you know, if you can test the waters right now on, on Winker and Sano and Buxton, I don't think it'll be easy to get Buxton. But no. uh, if you if you got an owner who's like yourself and the dynasty is really looking to push and uh, make an impact this year, uh, you know, you might as well see what it, see what it would take to get him. Uh, but we mentioned, talked about A.J. Cole, some other – uh, prospects coming up and, and making their debuts this week. Michael Lorenzen, a pretty tough outing in, in his debut. Gave up three homers to the Brewers. Uh, said it was a learning experience, but uh, not not a great start for him. But it does look like he uh, should be able to hold, the, you know, at least get a chance to hold down that rotation spot uh, vacated by Homer Bailey, who looks like he's out for the, maybe out for the year if, if Tommy John is needed. Um, is, is Lorenzen a guy that you're, you're going to go out and get in, in NL only is, or are you taking a wait and see? So everybody is really kind of down on that start, but just from watching it, I, mean, I know he gave up the, the homers, but I actually liked what I saw other than that, uh, out of, you know, we're going to talk about, uh, we, we did talk about AJ Cole. We're going to talk about Tim Cooney in a minute who also made his debut today. But out of, out of those three, I thought Lorenzen was easily the most, uh, most impressive. Uh, you know, he was, he was locating, um, you know, on the on the edge of the strike zone a lot of the time. I mean, the homers were were mistakes for sure, but that was, you know, the the Brewers I think are are slightly kind of heating up. I mean, he, he got a, you know, Ryan Braun is is really pretty hot at the plate right now. I would just kind of chalk that up to it, you know, a rookie's first start. I mean, mm-hmm. if you take away take hard to say take away those three homers, but if you <laughs> like the rest of if you just eliminate those three homers and look at the rest of his outing, it was, it was really good. Um, mm. so I, I actually do think in, in deeper mixers and in, uh, NL onlys, he's, he's worth a roster spot right now. Cause when you go on the road in that division, especially, uh, to, to some of those other parks, uh, you know, they're like Pittsburgh or, or somewhere like that, or maybe you, you go out West, uh, mm-hmm. out, of, out of the division, then, then I think you'll get some, some environments where he can be a bit more productive. Yeah, I mean, five strikeouts to just one walk. That is encouraging and really strong in his first three starts for Triple uh, A Louisville. 2.84 ERA. Uh, only 12 strikeouts to four walks, but uh, it's good to see that, you know, he was able to miss bats at the highest level. And I think, you know, his career at Caper 9, the minor is just 6.4, but I think that a number right around there at least is pretty sustainable if he does hold on to that job. But uh, Rysel Iglesias, could he maybe be an option if, if Lorenzen struggles? Yeah, who knows? Who knows what they're gonna do with Iglesias? I mean, they've been yanking yeah. that kid all over the place this year. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think I don't think it should be Lorenzen that loses his job for Iglesias. Mm. I think that it should be somebody somebody else in that <laughs> rotation. Um, Marquis to the wit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Jason Marquis, looking at you, bud. Um, <laughs> Hey, the peripherals though. <laughs> yeah, know. they have been decent. He's getting, dude. He's getting a ton of strikeouts, which is really weird. He's just throwing <laughs> stuff in the dirt, and people are swinging at it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Lorenzen could stick in that rotation for a while. If if I'd, at least if I was in charge, he would get at least a you know an eight or ten start run to kind of see see what he does. I'm uh, I have him in our staff keeper league two two point 
By the way, I don't know. Is there going to be like a 2.4 at some point? I don't know. I, I just love that it's still referred to 2.0. Uh, but you know, I have him on a minor league deal. I'm going to have to. I'm going to activate him. I mean, this this weekend when we have our next Fab budget and the, the lineup deadline, I'm going to activate him because I I need, you know, I need somebody to step in. I can't be trying out TJ House anymore. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I cannot do that. I missed the boat on him, but. Oh uh, man, that's fun! Uh, just watch Mike Trout rip a rip a double down the line. Yeah, I got the Angels uh, A's game on, and God, that guy just continues to amaze me. Uh, you know, he, we got the the draft coming up in a couple months. We were talking about maybe going to a first pitch uh, outing this year. It sounds like the draft class isn't isn't that great though this year. Am I right? No, I haven't been haven't been hearing that it's that great. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you're. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll get closer to the to the time, and we'll we'll talk about that a bit more. But I mean, there's, there's some pitching, but position player wise, it's it's pretty thin at the top. I think still amazing to me how far Trout fell uh, in his draft. But we'll get to Tim Cooney here. Uh, only went two and a third innings today in his debut. Seven hits, three earned runs, one walk, uh, three Ks. Now with Wainwright out, do you think? You think he's going to stick in here? I mean, they also have Marco Gonzalez, who wasn't really lined up, and he's also been battling some injury issues down uh, at AAA Memphis. But do you think uh, Cooney will have a short leash, or do you, do you see him getting another couple starts to really solidify his hold in this rotation? I think you can just look at the way Matheny managed him in this start and kind of surmise that he might be done. Uh, <laughs> Classic Matheny. Matheny. I, I, I really... Matheny, I think Matheny's my least favorite manager. Oh, I, I hate Matt Williams too, but Matheny oh, might be my Matt least. Matt Williams is the worst. Matheny's my least favorite because he gets so much defense from like people in the media. Like mm-hmm. you, you hear you'll hear Cardinals fans complain about him, and you know just regular like people like you and I will complain about him, but everybody in the media has his back because Matheny's a stand-up guy. He's a good guy. He's a high character guy. I heard Mm -hmm. uh, someone say on MLB network today, like they basically said, you know, his in-game stuff, everyone wants to talk about the in-game stuff, but you'll never find a more high character guy. And it's like, wait, so you can't be a bad manager and have high character. Like those, I think you can be both of those things. (laughs) And he just, like what why are you even starting him why yeah. why are you starting tim cooney if he can only go two and a third in that c- scenario and they were winning the game by the way too mm-hmm. it wasn't like yeah. he got him in like a 3-0 hole and you know one guy that might actually be a, a stealth option to jump in is carlos villanueva who out of the bullpen was was pretty dominant in relief uh you know th- it it works out perfectly because he'll be you know, on perfect rest to jump into that spot if if need be. Uh, if Marco Gonzalez is healthy enough, we haven't gotten a ton of information about where he's at, but if he's healthy enough, I think he's the obvious choice uh, long-term to jump in. But also Jaime Garcia threw 50 pitches in a in a, uh, was it sim game, bullpen? It was something today. He threw 50 pitches and, and apparently checked out fine afterwards. So he might be about a month away from being an option there too. So I, I think Cooney's... Uh, if you were if you were kind of lining up a bid on on him, thinking that he might stick in that rotation for a while, I would I'd pull that back. Gonzalez, I mean, his placement on the DL uh, at AAA was labeled precautionary, but uh, not really sure. Yeah, as you mentioned, don't really have much information as far as you know how long he may be out. 
Ty Lyons. I know we we, <laughs> we both got burned on some spot starts last year, uh, but he may be an option too. I guess you know the fact that they bypassed him for Cooney kind of uh, speaks to you know. I've seen enough Ty Lyons, and I hope that the Cardinals have too. <laughs> oh, Ty Lyons just killed me in NL only a couple times last year. Uh, not great there, but um, he 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 made some uh, he made some starts on the flops. <laughs> Who didn't? The uh, eighty grade bat <laughs> flops. Hey, I mean they're they're back to the flips this yeah, year. Yeah, they are the flips. So they're good. in the top five right now. I want to throw out a, an either or for you. Uh, want to know which way you think this will go? Uh, two top prospects in the game, really super prospects. Carlos Correa versus Corey Seager. Uh, who who do you think comes up first? I mean the the Dodgers have, I mean, they have Alex Guerrero who's seeing more time in uh, left field, but he he couldn't really see much time at third with Uribe pretty locked in, and uh, you know it doesn't seem like you know Seager's future is at shortstop. But who do you think uh, gets the call here first? So I I, I put this in the the outline just because I got into sort of a a mini debate with Brett Sayre from Baseball. Rep- uh, prospectus about this on Twitter earlier today, and I really respect Brett's opinion on on all things, you know, fantasy and and prospects and everything. So uh, I found it interesting that we were, and we usually agree on on most things, but we were in disagreement on this. He thinks that it's it's Corey Seager, and um, by you know comfortably, he thinks Corey Seager will will, will beat uh, Carlos Correa to the big leagues in. I I just don't see it necessarily because unless there's an injury like I I 100% I think Seager would basically get the call tomorrow if if Rollins or uh Uribe suffered a significant injury but uh assuming that those guys stay healthy with Justin Turner in the mix and with Guerrero in the mix they just they have so many players on their roster position players who are competent at, in the infield and the outfield that it just, there doesn't seem to be room for him in, in the foreseeable future. And, you know, Correa, it's, it's the opposite. Like mm-hmm. he's, you look at where they are. Uh, I think they had, according to baseball prospectus, like a 37% chance to make the playoffs uh, as of today. Mm-hmm. And if they continue to to play the way they're playing for another couple weeks that's going to jump up to like 45 percent probably so uh they're gonna have to start looking at at things and be like are we like do we want to go for this because the the mariners have been struggling the angels have been struggling like this might be their chance to kind of take advantage of that and at least at least you know get in the mix like you don't want to finish the year like two games out of a playoff spot because you didn't call up Carlos Correa and you kept playing Marwin Gonzalez and Jonathan Millar at shortstop. So uh, I don't think it's happening this week or next week or, or maybe even for a month or so. But if they look up at the standings and they're in first place or they're you know in line for, for a wild card spot and their their pitching is still very impressive, which it has been thus far, then I really, I really think it would be hard for them just, just based on their their recent history of just losing, and you know, this is this is kind of what they've been building towards, mm-hmm. right? Like, just go. I mean, at a certain point, you got to be like, all right, this is this is our turn to turn to go for it, right? I mean, yeah. uh, 
and and Correa has been just raking. So that that just kind of five homers, twenty two ribbies through eighteen games. Yeah, like he's plus eleven doubles. Yeah. My God. Yeah, he's out of this world right now. And honestly, to me, like I I was telling Brett, like I'm looking more at the Astros record than I am at Correa's numbers when mm-hmm. I'm saying that Correa get, comes up first, just because it makes the most sense. Like. You know, Seager, I, I would say Correa is a better player than Seager as well, but it just, if you look at those two situations, if I can only own one of those guys this year in a, in a single season league, it's going to be Correa. Man, I mean, he's almost matched his home run total uh, from high A Lancaster last year and, I mean, almost 50 fewer games. Do you, do you think that power is kind of fluky or do you think it's sustainable? I mean, he's 20. Do you think he's really you know, finding that power stroke and having it translate? Uh, to game action no he's got he's got big big raw power uh you know he's got more more power than than addison russell more power than than seager even uh if we're just talking about short stops and i i mean i would say that he's got similar power to you know he's maybe to a guy like aaron judge or something like that he could he could hit 30 plus homers i think the moment that he gets to the big leagues, the only shortstop that's going to have more raw power than him is Troy Tulowitzki. So uh, that's, I mean, that's one of his, I mean, he's, he's plus pretty much across the board, but power is one of his better tools. I mean, they, they signed Jed Lowry to be the, really the kind of the placeholder there at shortstop. He's, he's of course out now with the thumb ligament injury out until after the all-star break. Uh, You know, they seem to, they seem to suggest that they're, you know, not going to rush, Correa, his long-term development is the best thing for him, but I'm with you. I mean, Marwan Gonzalez was batting second yesterday. And, I mean, <laughs> Luis Valbuena is batting, has been batting second routinely. I mean, I think you and you bring up Correa and solidify that spot, and you're talking about one of the best offenses in baseball. Also, you just you kind of – I mean, they're, they're already getting a ton of play uh, nationally, and I just think you, you – capitalize on that you bring up the guy that everybody i mean george springer's up you know singleton's been up uh guys you know Fulty's Fulty was up last year before he got traded but correa's the guy that everyone's been waiting for and i think that you you can capitalize on this not only trying to contend this year but just kind of make it make the season about you guys i mean you're in a great spot to do that uh, I think it would it would fire up the not only the fans but I think it would fire up the the clubhouse and the team and just really let all the players know that hey guys this is this, this is, is our time you yeah. know we're going for it so I think that that'd be really cool. I've been surprised with how well I mean uh, Rasmus has played but also Jake Marisnik. Jake yeah, Marisnik's been, been outstanding. Uh, so yeah, I mean they they seem to have something going there. I mean. Even with you know, and Chris Carter is the kind of guy who can carry and them for a while if they get in a t- kind of a team slump. Gaddis too. Gaddis yeah. hasn't done anything. So, exactly. Uh, and Springer hasn't really done that much with with power or you know hitting or anything. I mean, he's been stealing bases, but yeah, I mean they've got a couple bats that are dormant right now, and uh, yeah, they, if those guys wake up and and they get Correa up in like a month or, or six weeks, that you know look out. What about Mark Appel? I know that they kind of suggested he can make the leap from double-A straight to the majors, bypass the triple-A level. Uh, do you think that's an option within the next couple months? Yeah. I mean, I, I think if he, if he continues to pitch uh, the way he has started the year and, like, there's 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 obviously – there's no reason, in my opinion, to to bump 
Appel and not Correa or mm-hmm. Correa and not Appel if they both keep playing the way they're playing. So uh, those are two. I mean, they don't even have to be active on the trade market. You add Correa and Appel to a team that's trying to make the playoffs. I mean, that's those are two big additions. Huge, so, yeah. yeah, I think I think you can see both of those guys. And, well, you know, I'm excited about Correa. Not to take away what from what Seager, Corey Seager is doing at AA Tulsa right now, uh, 1.039 OPS, four homers, seven doubles, uh, 14 RBI. Not Correa numbers, but, I mean, he's, he's certainly doing his thing. And uh, But I'm with you that they just have a plethora of position players. No, you know, no real need for him right now, especially uh, – given how well, I mean, Jimmy Rollins has struggled a bit, but uh, not somebody that they're going to think about removing from a starting role anytime soon. Do you think Seager, though, I mean, he saw, uh, he's seen three games at third base this season. Do you think that that's indicative of his long-term position in the majors? I don't think that they're going to start him off at third base unless it's to fill an injury. Uh, Mm -hmm. If it's, if it's, or you know, if they just decide that he, Uribe is the guy that needs to be replaced for for whatever reason, then they could they could roll with him at third. I I just look at the way that that team's constructed going into 2016, and shortstop seems to be the the obvious spot for Seager because you have uh, just you know you have all these guys that can play third. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just don't, I don't see any other shortstop that they, they have on hand to, to take that over. I think eventually he moves to third, but I think in 2016 he can, he can handle it. Seager so just turning 21 earlier this week. Uh, happy birthday, kid! I mean, I, I also own him in, in uh, SKL too. Excited to see, you know, when he comes up. But I, I'm with you that I could definitely see them bringing up, bringing up. Uh, Correa first the Astros bringing up Correa before the Dodgers do Seager but uh, thank you for listening to that uh, to the Rotowire fantasy uh, to the Rotowire prospect podcast we are going to uh, do something we've done for all but one episode here uh, and that's great out of a pro wrestler Razor Ramon but also again check out James Anderson's uh, farm futures piece on, on the Southern League uh, at rotowire.com, rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial if you don't have a subscription. James, you, you needed last week. You didn't want to rush your, your Razor Ramon grades, and I respect that. <laughs> I'm um, a professional. I'm a professional <laughs> wrestler grader. Yeah, you 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 really wanted to be on, on top of things. And I really I wanted respect to be thorough. That. You wanted to be thorough. I'm sure you did your research, <laughs> and I really respect that. Now, Razor Ramon, uh, not, not a, a Cuban guy. Uh, whatsoever, just an American guy who, who played a, a Scarface s character uh, in the '90s WWF. Of course, departed to WCW. Uh, really sparked the Monday Night Wars with the the New World Order. But we're going to focus on Razor Ramon. If you haven't heard this portion of the show before, we grade uh, wrestlers uh, based on the five tools on the 20 to 80 scale. The five tools for pro wrestlers: look, entrance, signature move, command of the crowd, and ring presence. Uh, for look, James, what do you got here? I went with a 70. You know, I think for what they were trying to do with that character, I think that, you know, you can't really ask for much more than what what he was doing out there. I mean, he had the the type of, you know, he had the, the smile that would, would make the the ladies swoon <laughs> and, um, you know, just the... It, I don't know, just the whole, the whole package kind of works for that sort of, uh, 
you know Latino vibe they were going for. But classic, uh, classic uh, move by them to not cast a legitimate Latino in that <laughs> in that role and to, to just have it be a white guy. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah, that's true. That, but I mean, that's just that was just a par for the course back then. Um, so yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, just just you know, very very handsome, uh, very. I mean, pretty built, not not crazy built, but uh, you know, pr- pretty built. So yeah, I'll go seventy. Yeah, I, I went sixty five, and I think you know seventy is definitely reasonable. Sixty five. I mean, he had the the slicked back mullet, you know, with a ton of product in there. Yeah, uh, I really like the. To me, that's a bo- to me that's a good thing. Oh yeah, same. Yeah. yeah. Same. <laughs> I mean, he also. I don't want the... anyone to think that we were downgrading. Him no, no, that was a big plus <laughs> in his favor. Uh, also, the toothpick that he would flick yeah. at his yeah, or at the camera uh, at the camera he... or his opponent. Yeah. yeah, right in his face. I think also, he even popped. Uh, he's popped some stuff with that toothpick before. Oh too, yeah, so. of course. And he, you know. I like the the vest, the look, uh, the purple and yellow type, yeah. you know, color scheme he had rocking. Um, like he he looked like a guy that your wife would want to see at a bachelorette party. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And he, <laughs> I mean, he also was just so cool too. I mean, yeah. he had oozing machismo is is what he said, and he he really was that way. He was uh, that little strut he did where he turned sideways. I mean, Razor. I mean, maybe the 65. I mean, that's still a high score. I mean, that's a perennial all-star look uh, for Razor Ramon. So I, I'm going to stick with that. But I respect the 70 grade. Now, entrance, we, we di- differ quite a bit here. I got a 70. Now, uh, I liked Razor's entrance music. Got that, you know, tire screech at the beginning, the cool little uh, tone that, that that took on. And, you know, again, him, him walking to the ring really slowly and flipping back his uh, slicked hair. Uh, but you only got a fifty-five. What uh, what made you go with that grade? Yeah, it's it's fine. I mean, fifty-five is is bordering on plus. So I mean, <laughs> it's not it's not like I I hated it, but uh, not doing not doing a ton. You know, kind of um, you know, it, it doesn't doesn't pump. I'm not getting pumped up. You mm-hmm. know, if I'm if I'm watching that, I'm seeing him come in and. And it's kind of you know that's that's not a moment where I'm standing or you know I'm I'm chugging a beer. That's a moment where I'm just kind of sitting there, you know, kind of waiting waiting for the action to actually start. So not yeah. not a lot going on really. See, a big thing for me was when he actually got in the ring and he did the little chest point, uh, arms out, yeah. and the, the, the sparklers, yeah, the sparks, yeah. yeah. So that was that was a big. That thing is for me. that that's true. That that part of it, if we're factoring that in, I mean, he's already in the ring, but I, it is part of his entrance. I guess I, I could bump it up to a sixty. I mean, I'm not saying you have to, but I, I just like that uh, part of his entrance. And I, I get where I you're could. coming from. I'm not going yeah. to, but okay. I could. Okay, okay. <laughs> I see where you're coming from. I, I just, um, you know, I agree, though, that, you know, not not an entrance that really gets your, your blood pumping by any means. I do remember at WrestleMania, though, him in a ladder match against Shawn Michaels, all-time classic match, him going underneath the, the ladder, you know, classic like bad luck move but uh oh, he yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. didn't believe in luck and he was willing to he was so that, confident in himself that he would do that 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 match was uh was great because the the ladder those ladders were like uh just like the type like the type of ladder that you'd like rent at like a home depot or something <laughs> and they were kind of a little flimsy a little rickety and 
it started off with one ladder and then there were all of a sudden two ladders oh, and, of course. and everyone was just like what and like <laughs> they they were using the the ladders to to hit each other and they had to climb up and get the belt and yeah. and it was to to nobody's surprise Razor Ramon did not get the belt <laughs> well, Razor, I mean, he was kind of overshadowed by Shawn Michaels in that match, Mr. WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels, but uh, classic match, and Michaels leaping off uh, the ladder in that match was, just blows my mind. And Classic setup in that one, too, you know, with Michaels being stripped of the title months prior, uh, Razor, I think, winning it in a tournament, then you have Shawn coming back and saying he's the real intercontinental champions that was all-time classic now signature move both agree here plus plus uh razor's edge wcw known as the outsider's edge uh got a 70s we'll just you know we can just agree on this one i mean all-time one of the all-time best command of the crowd what do you got here uh so this this is where i kind of i I have a little bit of a bone to pick with with Razor Ramon just because I I think that he's sort of a kind of a fake tough guy like I okay I, like I think you know if you're just kind of going down the list of these you know these wrestlers we ranked so far and you say you were actually you were in some stuff you were in you you needed you needed a little help you needed someone to have your back and in a fight and you you know you thought going in that that you had this guy on your side, you thought Razor was in your corner. I could see, you know, things getting a little tough. I could see him, him, uh, kind of giving you the hi hat and, and Ooh, looking out wow. for himself. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of got that vibe from him in in the ring where he almost sort of didn't believe what he was sort of selling to hmm. to everybody. And, um, you know, he, he was he was definitely sort of playing a character, and and it wasn't. Uh, I didn't think it was was authentic. I think if, if things really got out of hand at, at some point, I think you'd see him uh, turn tail and run. Well, he did turn tail and run when things were going poorly in the WWE. Uh, jump ship, he took the money. I see that. But I actually, I'm going to tell you something that may change your mind. I think Razor Ramon killed a guy in a bar <laughs> fight once. I'm not even kidding. About that. <laughs> really? Yes. Um, <laughs> You know, of course, that's not that funny, but I, I guess he was. <laughs> well, it's kind of yeah, funny. funny. <laughs> he was defending himself. Apparently, wasn't charged with anything. So I guess we. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, <laughs> yeah. as far as I, if you kill someone and don't get charged with anything, then self-defense. You, know, yeah, you don't I mean, even get charged with anything. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 intense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's. I think that was more in his his older days before he joined WWE. Of course, I mean that would have been a huge story then, but. Uh, just something to keep in mind. I got a sixty on command of the crowd. I, you know, he was he was talented in the ring for a guy that that size, uh, but you know, I, I, aside from the matches with Michaels, don't really ever remember him having a, a great match. So, well, now I'm I'm actually now I'm just kind of worried. I hope that Razor Ramon doesn't <laughs> doesn't hear this and and try to find me or anything like that because he might have to defend his swag against me. So he may have to. Uh, I know <laughs> he's got a son in the business now. Uh, may have to you know task him with coming <laughs> to find you. Uh, what about ring presence? Uh, we differ here a bit too. Uh, I got a sixty-five. Uh, he, he's a guy who he was actually pretty big. I mean, he was always you know in WCW teamed up with with Kevin Nash, and Nash was just a monster, and he kind of made uh, made Scott Hall look kind of smaller. But uh, I still think he's this is a plus tool for him. I got I got sixty-five. What do you got? I gave it a 55. Uh, 
you know, that this is kind of a carryover from me uh, not being that uh, – I wouldn't be that worried. If I, if I was the same size as him and I was in the ring, I wouldn't be that worried. Uh, I give him, you know, a slight props for, for being the size that he is. But, um, you know, I, I don't think he was all that intimidating given, given the weight he was carrying. I I actually should have probably bumped him down just because of the few times in WCW and he was getting guaranteed money. Uh, I guess we are grading Razor, but he, I think he was drunk quite a bit in the ring <laughs> at WCW <laughs> and just didn't seem to care at all. So, but in WWE, I mean, I don't. I I actually want to bump him up now. <laughs> okay, that's fair too. Um, Sixty-five for me. I mean, he was somebody who you know was. I think he was a five-time Intercontinental Champion. Didn't really jump up to the main event world heavyweight championship scene. But uh, the fact that he was, you know, the, they always say the intercontinental champion is really the, the worker's title. Uh, you have to really, you know, you kind of carry the company in the ring when, when you have that belt. So uh, kind of a guy that I think maybe a little bit underrated in the ring. Uh, give him a 65. I mean, I, I said maybe not have great matches, but, uh, you know, Decent matches all around, even when you go against guys like Rick Martel and other jobbers, really. You'd always you know, pull that razor, razor's edge out and give the crowd what they want. So give them a 65. So who do you, who do you think we should do next week? Should we throw that out to, I mean... Yeah, throw that out to the Twitter users, maybe. Yeah, yeah. If somebody wants to, to hit us up, uh, you know, we, we have no problem just picking a guy at random on you know next thursday as well but uh yeah if you want to throw something out that we can hit uh go ahead and go ahead and do that on twitter you know i know dewey singleton one of our loyal podcast listeners he threw out the killer bees a couple weeks back i just don't i mean the killer bees are just kind of generic to, to me i mean they just they all look the same they don't really have uh, a real signature move maybe i maybe they were a little bit before my time but um yeah, also, no, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm. I'm thinking that uh, you know we kind of keep it in the in the you know the '90s. Yeah. Uh, the the mid mid '90s, maybe even maybe even late '90s, mid mid to late '90s. I would say. I'm with you there. So yeah, if you have any uh, recommendations for next week, hit us up. James is at Real Jr. Anderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. Thank you for listening to the RotoWire Prospect Podcast. We'll be back with you next Thursday. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.